You're listening to Outlandish Outcasts at outlandishoutcasts.com. Welcome to Outlandish Outcasts, Episode 7. I'm your host, Al. With me, as always, is the lovely Desiree. How are you doing today, Desiree? I can talk now? I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Doing good. Nothing going, pretty pretty slow week, huh? Nothing really going on. What? (laughs) I don't know what planet you're living on, for starters, but uh, my life feels like it got flipped upside down and I've been on vacation. Yeah, well, you need to go back to work so you don't have to work No, I need a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) I have decided after this, I don't need a job. I've got one right here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad it's uh, Thursday, bringing, you know, being able to bring the stories in again. Are you ready for, uh, for some good stories tonight? I'm ready for good stories. Would you like to go first? I thought I went first last time. You said the same thing last time, and then I went first. But I'll go first. Did you, you really? What was your story? I don't remember. I don't remember either. Are we getting old? I'm old. You might be getting no, old. No, I'm, I'm 23. 23! Me too. I have a 20-year-old, but I'm 23. <laughs> so would you would you like to go first? <sighs> Fine. Right. Of course. I'll go first because I like to hear myself talk. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't like to listen, so it's perfect. <laughs> I don't like to listen. Just kidding. Okay, so spotted a swarm of ladybugs so huge it showed up on the National Weather Service radar. This happened on June 6th this year. Holy cow. I know. That was like just a few days ago. I know. So I was reading this. I'm like, whoo, look at that meteorology. So a huge blob that appeared on the National Weather Service radar wasn't rain, wasn't a rain cloud. But a massive swarm of ladybugs over San Bernardino Camp, San Bernardino, I can't even say it, County. San Bernardino. There you go. Too many consonants. (laughs) (laughs) County in Southern California. (laughs) There were more vowels, like in Hawaii. I'd have no issue saying it. Perfect. Okay, so National Weather Service meteorologists noticed something puzzling on their radar screen in Southern California on Tuesday evening, a big green blob. Although they were saying that the skies were clear, so they sent somebody out to check it out. And the phenomenon is known as a ladybug bloom. And while this appears particularly large, it should or it's not the first time local meteorologists have spotted the beetles. So it's literally just like a swarm of ladybugs that's large enough to be picked up by weather radar? Yep. And they're they're reported flying about 5,000 to 9,000 feet, according to the Los Angeles Times. So if you look at the, the little picture that I printed off here... It looks like it's raining. It looks like there's a, a, a rainstorm going through there. Definitely. Skies are clear. <laughs> so it says That's um, crazy. NWS meteorologist Miguel Miller told local news radio station KNX AM the 80 mile long and 80 mile wide blob 
was heading towards San Diego County from San Gabriel Mountain. Wow. Could you imagine Ian seeing that many ladybugs? Oh, my God. <laughs> he would have a heart I attack. I saw ants in the house today, and Uh-oh. I was like, uh, we're going to have some issues. Going to have issues. Can't see any bugs. He doesn't like bugs. Well, don't tell him. I won't, I won't tell him, and then he'll like need to wear boots in the kitchen pretty soon. <laughs> he's, he's right above us, the floor. Oh, yeah, so that's right. He's and probably going to hear like, that. So He's not listening. He's watching. Me on the oopus <laughs> Well, that's really cool. Like, a uh, swarm of ladybugs. Uh, I, like, seeing a big swarm of bugs isn't really that surprising, but when you look at that picture, it's and you ginormous. see how big it is, you know, literally covering, you know, part of the state. You know, that's crazy. It's not part of the state, but it's large enough to, like, detect on a radar. Well, you know, that's what I mean. It's not like it's just, you know, a block long. It is, like... 80 miles by 80 miles. That's a a part of a state. (laughs) Which I find funny, because that sounds like a square, and that's kind of circular. Yeah. (laughs) Or rectangular-ish in a circle. Oval? Oval. Yeah, more of an oval, I guess. You know, it kind of looks like Slimer. People can... Here. The Me. ghost from Ghostbusters? It's, upside it, down. It kind of looks like Slimer. Upside down. <laughs> Slimer upside down. Okay. Because that's like his head right there. Yeah. And he's like, he's waving. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I'm, I'm glad we don't have uh, ladybugs. Like that I don't want to see a swarm of ladybugs either. They kind of. We don't even out. have that many ladybugs here. It's more of those Japanese bugs. I know, but every time I like the encounter. The ones that actually bite. Yeah, exactly. And we encounter the ones that bite, and they kind of hurt. I've never been bit know. by them. Really? Really. Oh, like every year, I like, at least once a year, I seem to come across getting bit by one. Again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Child above us. Child above us that doesn't don't like bugs. need him hearing that you get bit. Well, I can tell him that ladies bite, then. I don't ever have there to you go. worry about him with a lady. He can be mama's boy forever. Yes. All right, so from, from your ladybugs. To Ian being mama's boy forever. Yeah. And uh, my stories this week are a little different. Last week I brought... Oh, that's scary. Last week I brought three stories that were kind of, you know, ripped out of recent headlines. None of my stories this week are out of recent headlines. They're all little older things that I found were kind of interesting. Weird. Mine too, except for this one. I I, I picked out two and then I'm like, oh, maybe I should find some current, current event. I usually try to find something. That was my current, ladybugs. I, I, found, I found three this week that I that really was I was interested in. The first one I'm interested in, and most of all because you know accents I find interesting. You know, different dialects, dialects and you know over the world, over the country. Like our dialect, yes, eh? yes, exactly. yeah, you bitch, yeah. What I never realized though was that cows have regional accents. Experts have confirmed. What? In a major breakthrough in bovine linguistic research, experts have confirmed that cows moo with accents distinct to their herd. What the hell is wrong with me? How am I working where I work when I could be doing some bullshit like that? (laughs) I don't know. I should be studying. You know what? That's it. After this, I'm going to go study the dialects of pigs. You know what I can do? I could talk like a pig. You can. You can. Anyway, uh, John Weld, professor of uh, phonetics at University of London, examined West Country farmers and claimed their beasts were who claimed that their beasts were mooing with a local twang. 
uh, Lloyd Green of Glastonbury said, I spend a lot of time with my ones, and they're definitely moved with a Somerset draw. What PhD <laughs> does he have? I need to know what field of science I need to go into. He's a professor of phonetics. This would be a professor of phonetics. No, I went for the brain. Remember? <laughs> Apparently, forensic psychology and all that fun stuff is the wrong field to go into. Yeah, well, um, Professor Wells also did confirm that this phenomenon is also well attested in birds. You can find distinct chirping accents in the same species around the country. So chickadees don't sound the same worldwide. I guess not. I guess they have a slight, distinct accent, depending on where they're from. <laughs> and you know what I'm going to do after this? I am going to pull up chickadees from Australia oh, and chickadees good from idea. our area and chickadees from California, because California seems to be the area where there is no accent. Yeah. I don't know. And anyway, a ling linguistics expert, Dr. Janine Teffers Dollar of the University of West England, uh, did state state that. You know, when learning to speak, we adopt a lot of local varieties of language spoken by our parents. So the same can be said about variation in uh, other animals in the area. Kind of learn from, from your surroundings. Uh, these latest findings do much to expand our understanding of the bovine world, which has in the last couple of years been enhanced by the revelations that cows enjoy a bit of girl on girl and can hold a grudge. Hmm. So... Interesting, cows have uh, regional dialects, something I've never thought of before, probably will never think of again, but I thought, thought oh, it was very no. interesting. I will think of this, because that bothers me, that people get paid to research that. Yeah, I mean, it's university research, so you're getting paid to be a professor at the university, and you pick something to research, but yes. Oh, I could be a teacher, and I could research something stupid like that, too. I think I'd get bored if I was researching it for a job. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, really? that's my story about my cows. Probably didn't even research it. He probably threw a thesis <laughs> out there and is in the process of writing it, but is never going to get done. He, he, neither. He just was talking to a local farmer at a bar, and he's like, my cows move different. <laughs> and until you can prove it's not true, the theory holds true. Yep. Yep. I went in the wrong field. <laughs> so upsetting. It's okay. So when I go, where do you think that region it comes from? I don't know. Hmm. The never. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. So is that it for your story? That's it for me and my cows. <laughs> Moo. Look, that was a different one. It I was. did a different dialect. Totally from a different area. I can do one more. Moo. <laughs> that was a girl. Oh. <laughs> okay. The other anyways. cows were boys, aren't they? Those bulls. No, the last one was from California too. You know where the happy cows are? Oh. The happy cows. They're happy in California. You've never saw the commercial? No. Oh. I don't do commercials. We know this. Commercials with the mouth for the cows in California yeah. with the happy cows. No idea. Okay. I'm kind of shocked. Sorry. It's all good. So next, we're, we're going to move from kind of something silly to 
the most mysterious disease in the world. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. I'm scared. You should be scared. I think I have this. <laughs> I do. Okay, anyways. The world has seen its fear of awful epidemic, but no modern-day disease has been quite so mysterious as... I'm going to try to pronounce this, but I'm going to slaughter it. Okay, I'm so ready. You know. So, encephalitis. The, I had the second part down, but I was so focused <laughs> on the first part. That's okay. You don't have to pronounce it. It's not your it, job. But the second part's easy. Lethargica? Yes. Okay. So what's that sound like? Uh, sounds like you're just Go back to Mrs. Schley's English class where she breaks down, has this breakdown all English. Seems like, it sounds like something that causes you to just lay around on the couch all day. That's where you get that from. Yeah. Lethargic. Lethargic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the sickness first appeared in 1916, but it really started spreading around the 20s. The disease caused all sorts of symptoms like tremors, psychosis, and drowsiness. Lethargic. There you go. There we go. When you say 20s, that's so weird because that's like next year, but it was 100 years ago. So, <laughs> so this increasing or incredibly uh, lethal killing around a million people. Those who survived often locked inside their own bodies will become vegetative. Okay, states is kind of what I was getting through reading this, but the majority of the people died. So it's an inflammation of the brain that makes you tired. Okay, so. I think that's what's wrong with me because I do have inflammation issues. If you only saw me this morning, if you if you wake me up tomorrow morning, I guarantee you, tomorrow. my face is gonna be like, yeah, no joke. Well, I can maybe. already feel it in my eyes. It's been like that all day. Maybe you're really gonna have to learn how to pronounce this disease to tell people what you have. I need to go to the doctor and be like, remember when you told me I had mono umpteen times because only half my throat would swell up. And then finally you pulled my tonsils out because there was this weird white thing. And then when I looked at pictures online, I'm like, oh, my God, that's what I have. Hmm. See? And and this is why we do not Google symptoms. Exactly. Exactly. Because now is, I have this. Is one of the symptoms, like, talking too much? Because then you definitely have it. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but in the last year or two, I've kind of slowed down on the talking a little bit. Okay. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Even if I became a vegetable, I'd still cough, believe it or not. I believe it. I believe it. Somehow, I would get the words out. <laughs> Even if you can, whether you can pronounce them or not. Whether I can pronounce <laughs> them or not. Or make up my own words. Yeah. As you know, I'm... Yeah. I'm. You're very good at that. Very good. Very at good at that. I'm very good at pronunciating I... things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So, where was I? I have no idea. Me either. Okay, so this late 1920s um, disease, it just vanished one day. Okay. Just gone. And for dec- decades, it was seen, um, it seemed like the sickness was gone for good until it reared its ugly head in 1993, infecting approximately 20 people. Okay. 
How is so, it transmitted? You know? They don't know. They don't know. So the medical professionals discovered the most modern day victims had started off with sore throats. Okay. Like I was saying, my mono. Mm -hmm. Okay, and it caused by rare forms of another medical word. Streptococcus. Streptococcus, yes. There you go. I know that word. I don't, obviously. <laughs> it's so uh, another word for strep. strep. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, I knew why that, they just but call it, it was strep. like <laughs> so it's a rare form of that. Okay. So the the bizarre bacterium would mutate the sleepy sickness. Um, so being a bacteria, is it just treatable with antibiotics? No. Okay. Nope. So, it's called the sleepy sickness, though. Okay. And then with this, as I had mentioned, was the brain inflammation that makes you tired. Mm -hmm. And then over um, one-third of those infected died in the 20s, while around 20% survived. And they were more than less dependent on professional care. Sadly, less than one-third made full recoveries. Ooh. So uh, back in 93, it was probably a good thing only 20 people ended up with this. Did they die? Um, Actually, I didn't see anything on that. I do mm -hmm. know a young girl named Becky Howells, and she was the first girl in 93 that was diagnosed with this. Mm -hmm. Um. Actually, no, she didn't. It took several years before she recovered. So okay. she recovered. Well, she recovered at least. That's good. So it makes me go. I think There's I hope. have this. There's hope. I think I you have could, this. You could recover. They took my tonsils. Yeah. Did they do tonsillectomies back in the twenties? I have no idea. Because this was something like they tested me for mono, and they were like, "You've got mono, no question." Comes back negative. Well, They're the mono like, test can come uh, back negative when it's positive a lot. That's like fifty percent. I wasn't even sick. My throat oh. just. I just, I just know. I just learned the other day that the test for mono has like a very high false negative rate, like oh. almost fifty percent. Well, I wasn't sick at all. My okay. throat just swelled up, and I was in excruciating pain. Like it hurt so bad, and you could see physically, like it lined up just the right side of my throat mm -hmm. lined up to my jawline. Like you couldn't see my jaw, <sighs> and I remember going in the ER. I called a friend. I said. You need to come watch my son. I gotta go to the emergency room. I'm in so much pain. And they came over and they're like, Ugh. I'm like, stay away from me. I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> I think I have this. Maybe you do. Maybe you're gonna we'll have, have to, to go to the doctor and have be to go like, to a doctor and... I think I have sleepy sickness. You guys took my tonsils, so you can't biopsy them unless you kept them. <laughs> I don't think they did. But like, I never showed positive, and they tested me for mono more than one no. occasion. Well, that's really cool. I mean, not cool that you might have that. That would be really scary. Um, it explains, but it's interesting. Well, it attacks the immune system. Yeah. So I'm like, hmm. And the whole inflammation thing is definitely something you suffer from. I um, definitely so suffer. I could see some inflammation in your brain. You have, you were big-headed like that. It could be in <laughs> I don't know. What are you talking about? That's when <laughs> I have joke. a dumb moment. It was a joke. When there's the inflammation, so I'm like, got the fogginess, oh. and I'm like... It's okay. It was just a dumb moment from the fog brain. Okay. Brain fog. <laughs> See? Just right there. Dun, dun, dun. So is that all you got on the sleepy sickness? That's pretty much all I got on the sleepy sickness. You don't like my sleepy no, sickness? No, I like your sleepy sickness. It just scares me, and I'd like to move on. 
It's <laughs> yeah, I don't like things that you could be diagnosed with. They're not going to diagnose me with this. This well, is self-diagnosis. They're not going to diagnose, but your self-diagnosis is just as good as our local diagnosis people. I self-diagnosed <laughs> my last thing, and they told me I didn't have it. Next thing you know, like two years later, I finally saw it on my medical records. Exactly. I'm like, holy crap, look, I actually have what I said I had, and the doctor argued with me. Then he did the stupid test and never told me. Of course, no he didn't letter. want to tell you he was wrong. How do you even do that, though? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, we will move on from the sleepy sickness. Okay, because I have it. I'm going to move into kind of a scare, another scary story. You're not sleeping. I have a sleepy sickness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a vegetative state right no, you're now. Not. No, you're yes, not. I am. I'm talking even. I told you I would. Okay, I believe it. I believe you would. Okay, let's go on to your scary story. It's not, I mean, could you imagine? This is, I'm going to tell you, this is going to be a true story. Oh. And it almost happened. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In 1961. Mm -hmm. And the reason I know this, the reason this has just come out recently, and by recently, actually a couple of years ago. But um, an investigative journalist named Eric Schulzer under the Freedom for Information Act, uh, uh, received the first conclusive evidence that the U.S. nearly detonated an atomic bomb over North Carolina. What? Like, the big boy? Um, oh, that's in New, Mex- or New Mexico. The bomb that nearly exploded over North Carolina was 260 times more powerful than the device which devastated Hiroshima in 1945. Holy bucket. Thank God we don't live that close there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, we would have got ash, but... The, the evidence that he received showed that the U.S. narrowly uh, spared a disaster of monumental proportions when two Mark 39 hydrogen bombs were accidentally dropped over Goldsboro, North Carolina, on January 23, 1961. Uh, the bombs fell to Earth after a, B- a B-52 bomber broke up in midair. One of the devices behaved, behaved precisely as a nuclear was, weapon was designed to behave. Its parachute opened, its trigger mechanism engaged, and only one low-voltage switch prevented the charge from going off. This would have been devastating to the East Coast. It would have been followed all the way up to New York. Can you imagine if we look, if we look back on history and we had dropped the largest nuclear bomb ever dropped on ourselves. <laughs> I wonder who would have lost their job that day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lots of people would have lost their job. Someone would have lost their life. And I wouldn't be surprised if the newspapers the next day said the Russians did it. Because, that, you know, that the government, government's not going to want to admit to this. I mean, we didn't even find out about this until like a couple of years ago through a Freedom of Information Act So request. this is actually true. Yes, this is 100% true. Where'd you pull this from? I pulled in a couple of different places. This one, uh, the story I've got in front of me here came from The Guardian, but I did pull it from like three different sources, and they were all citing this, uh, this investigative reporter who, and showing the documents from the, his Freedom of Information Act request that he made. So it, is, it, it did happen. It, you know, if whatever small little low-voltage trigger wouldn't have worked, we, uh, we would have lost at mm-hmm. least North Carolina, South Carolina, we some Virginia. 
would have been crazy. Like there would have been just total devastation. By maybe it's a good thing we live in the state that we do. <laughs> I always thought it. I always thought we didn't have to worry about people bombing because. Well, we, we do now. The area we live in, if you fly over, there's holes everywhere. It looks like they already hit us. But if you go about three hours south, there's yes. already a huge target. Right yes, there. there's plenty. Of, there's plenty of targets. I understand that. But I just, I think about you know. I remember when I was a kid and my mom explaining to me how she was afraid of a nuclear bomb going off because we were being attacked. I just can't imagine that. I can't imagine. But then to think that we almost had it happen to us by our own. Your mom talked to you about that. Yes. Oh. Um, when I was a kid, at the end of the night, on when one of the channels would go off the air, and I, <laughs> I was up late, you know, because they were only on till like midnight or whatever. And I remember I was under seven because we were still in an apartment, and they would play like the they would play like clips of nuclear bombs going off and like then they'd oh. play like the national anthem and I remember the national like anthem that. but I was never seven. Yeah. <laughs> my my parents would never allowed me to be up that yeah, late. My mom. I remember getting in trouble because we lived in an old farmhouse while it was actually an old um city hall. Mm-hmm. There was no heat in it because it was so old. But there were vents in the floor to because the heat rises and it mm-hmm. goes to the second floor. And me and my sister slept on the second floor in a room upstairs. And the TV, if we laid above the vent, we could see the TV. And I remember my parents apparently knew we sat and watched yeah. TV through this thing. But there was one night I remember watching this movie that came on. And all of a sudden a baby was born. My mom puts her head up into the vent. She's like, isn't it so beautiful? <laughs> amazing she knew you were watching she knew we were watching (laughs) apparently they knew we watched every night (laughs) (laughs) all right well that is that is my story about uh, the destruction of the united states so nice happy story well i have not sad depressing okay so okay so do you know who john glenn is yes astronaut yes so, um, he was part of the Mercury 7, the first group of American astronauts, mm-hmm. and he was the first American to orbit Earth mm-hmm. on February 20th, 1962. Okay. Um, he climbed aboard the Friendship 7 and blasted into the atmosphere while monitoring the Mercury spacecraft. Mm-hmm. And then um, he circled the planet three times in about five hours. That's so... Nice. One thing that I kind of, when I was reading through this, though, that I wanted to talk about was uh, the fireflies that showed up during this. In fireflies space. in space? In space. They so, can't be like real fireflies. What is it? So, I'm getting there. Okay, oh, okay, my gosh. Okay, what sorry. if they are fireflies? I'm on pins and needles. If they're fireflies, they're think, alien. Do you think <laughs> you're the only thing that exists? In the United or in, in the United States, yes, in the universe. No, I do not think we're the only thing that exists in the universe, but I don't think there's something that close. <laughs> you don't know fireflies. What okay. if we look like like Timon said? He thinks he no Timon was the ball of gas. Like 
What was Timon's friend's name? Simba, Timon, and... I didn't watch the Lion King. I'm Lion King, though. They were talking about little fireflies in the sky. That's what they thought the stars were. Okay. So, what if that's what it... Maybe it was. But I'm guessing you're going to get to something else. (sighs) Don't push me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hurry up. I don't want you to fall asleep. (laughs) Why would I fall asleep? (laughs) Because you have sleeping sickness. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You you also have forgetting sickness. (laughs) I do. I really do. It's sad. I'm sorry. That's okay. I apologize. What was I talking about? Fireflies. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a piece of paper right in front of me. So, before I even go there, I forgot. I printed off transcript. Okay. <laughs> From NASA. So, not the NASA website, but these were transcripts that were thrown out there on universitytoday.com. Okay. So, I'm going to read these. Maybe I'm Okay. Okay, so John Glenn. This is Friendship 7. Should I do voices? I think I should do voices. You can do voices if you'd like. So, John Glenn. This is Friendship 7. I'll try to describe what I'm... In here, I am a big mass of some very small particles that are brilliantly, I can't even say it, lit up like they're luminescent. <laughs> luminescent. luminescent. <laughs> I'm so pretty. <laughs> John Glenn didn't say that. <laughs> he didn't say he's so pretty? <laughs> I find so. that hard to believe. So, I never saw anything like it. They round a little. They're coming up by the capsule, and they look like little stars. A whole shower of them coming by. They swirl around the capsule, and they go in front of the window, and they're all brilliantly lighted. They probably average maybe seven or eight feet apart, but I can't see them all down below also. Hmm. Capcom. Roger. Friendship 7. I should say it like it does. I'm not. <laughs> Can you hear any impact with the capsule? Over. John Glenn? Negative, negative. They're very slow and they're not going away from me more than maybe three or four miles per hour. They're going at the same speed I am approximately. They're only very slightly under my speed. Over. John Glenn again. They do. They do have a different motion, though. From me because they swirl around the capsule and then depart back the way I am looking. Jungwen, are you receiving over? And that's all I have. Okay. That's kind of crazy. It's a little crazy. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on pins and needles here. So from the first source that I pulled it from, the grunge.com, the Mercury space was equipped with a vent that projected the astronauts' bodily fluids <laughs> being sweet and urine or sweat and urine sweat into urine. space. Yeah. Then this liquid would shoot into the void, the frozen or it froze instantly, yep. and then it would hit the light from the sun and just at the right angle, and droplets would glow like a thousand little Fireflies. That is interesting. However. Is that just one theory? That, that was the theory. Okay. So when I was on universityoftoday.com, the answer wasn't confirmed until the next Mercury mission, Aurora 7, with astronaut Scott Carpenter, 
on board in May of 1962, Carpenter also saw the fireflies, or snowflakes as he called them, and quickly could identify the source. They were tiny white pieces of frost from the side of the spacecraft. Okay. So condensation gathered on the mm-hmm. outside of the spacecraft, and um, they passed from the cold orbit darkness to the warm light, and then froze again, creating a layer of frost. Hmm. So it was confirmed that that's actually what it was. Well, that's a lot better than being peed on. I was kind of disappointed it wasn't the urine. A little bit, but <laughs> I don't know. It was too logical of an explanation yeah, for me. So when I, I pulled the first story, I was like, ooh, look, pee. And then, <laughs> and then you're all the disappointed when you do some research and you find of, out. Yeah, oh, this like isn't condensation. Real. Really Are you kidding me? Oh. Oh, well, it's still interesting. Like, it would be so cool to see, I to be in space and to see things like that. Logic. I know, I know. One day, something outside the box is going to happen, and it's going to be a super mystery, and I'm going to solve it. And it is not going to be illogical. Until you solve it, and then it'll be logical. Like the Bermuda Triangle? Sure. Ugh. <laughs> You're not helping my case. Anyway, I want to go on a trip. Where are we going? We just went on a trip. I know. Well, I want to go. I want to. I want to add this one to the bucket list. We really need to pull that book out because we do. We have to put. We've got other a few places stuff. to put, and I don't know if you'd be even interested in seeing this. I just think it'd be really cool. And luckily, this is in South Carolina, so luckily we can go there because we didn't detonate an atomic bomb there in nineteen sixty. Do they have the Museum of Space and Air where there's nothing in it? <laughs> <laughs> That one took me a second, and then I got it. A second? Don't you remember where we were in yes. New Mexico and we were going to the Space and Air Museum? And yes. I'm like, why Why do you guys want to go there? There is nothing there to see. <laughs> Bunch of space and air. Okay, well, I don't want to go to a museum. I want to go to a village. Oh, of what kind? It is a village in South Carolina. This is I'm going scary. to butcher a bunch of stuff here because I'm not going to be able to pronounce anything. It's, it's not on a beach, though, right? Uh, no, not like it's, it's not on a beach. It's okay, not on a beach. okay, then we might be able to go. All right. It is the oldest African village in America. And, okay. Now, by oldest, it was formed in 1970. So it's not like it's super old. But it is a traditional African village. Uh, the name of the village is Otunajai. Um, they have a, a king who rules over the village. Okay. Uh, he's been the king since 1972. Um, there are a lot of festivals and like, they, they welcome tourists to come in. They have a Facebook page, but it is like, if you look at pictures, we'll have to post some on the site. It is an African village. It is. So they have lions and zebras running around? Nothing of lions and zebras lying around, <laughs> but they don't have necessarily the things of uh, modern um, culture would have here. They've stuck to being a traditional African village, um, you know, modeled after, you know, villages in Africa, I guess. See, I could pronounce this Oitunji. And Oitunji's mission has always been to educate and preserve African culture in the United States. And you can attend any one of their annual festivals. Just visit their Facebook page and sign up. 
said you will actually feel like you are in another country when you are there. We need to go. I think I thought this would be a great place for the bucket list. It's I think really cool. Go. It's out of you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere. I don't have to get on a plane and fly to Africa. No, we don't. We just go to South Carolina. I'm all up for that. We could drive. Yes, well, this is a trip we could drive. This trip. No plane. Woohoo! Anyway, I don't, I don't have a lot about it. I just thought it was really cool that there's a a village in the United States that is basically an African village. Hmm. This is kind of interesting. I thought it would be that would be really cool to see the just to see the culture of you know see African culture right here so, in the U.S. Do you know where they came from? Um. I don't. I had. <laughs> I, had some I see they've been on doing it. their research on their stories. I was doing research, and mm-hmm. this one I just kind of pulled because I wanted to go there. Um, and actually, I had another story in the printer. Wouldn't work. I mean, I had this another story, another version of this pulled up, but the printer wouldn't work. So this one was a lot Give of me pictures. The paper. There's ah. not a lot of words. It's all pictures. The wrong one printed off. Traders Bazaar. Anyway, I just thought that uh, I, I did. I do remember reading that it, it was formed in 1970, and at at its peak, it had about 200 people there. And as the time of the article that I was reading uh, was written, they had they had about 100 residents in the village that lived there. So, if it's a village, it's not a city. Uh no, it's a, a village. I don't know how that's classified, um, but uh, yeah. Cool. So, yeah. I want to go to Africa. So, since I want to go to Africa, we will go to South Carolina and check it out. I've always wanted to go to South Carolina. Perfect. Two birds, one stone. And North Carolina. North Carolina is beautiful. I've been there. And Georgia. We'll have to go. In Kentucky, but I've You're been just going to gonna name all the states now? Is that what we're doing? Well, I've been to Kentucky, but <laughs> I, only, I only was there to pick up my brother from boot camp. So I only got about 20 miles in, mm-hmm. which I'm not going to say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, if uh, if you happen to live in an obscure place that you think we would like to visit, let us know because we like to, we're making a bucket list and looking for places to travel that are interesting. So if you live in uh, an African village, Somewhere. I like let educational things. So yes. It doesn't even matter what it is. I Anything that's like got it. some kind of interesting history or, um, you, know, ed- you know, interesting background that, that you can hear a neat story from. That's it's just the kind like, of stuff I like. We went to Wisconsin Dells this, this last yes. few days. Yes. And most people, when you think Wisconsin Dells, you think water parks. Yeah, it's and, the water park capital of the world. And stuff like that, and we went on duck tours, and you learned about the history of Wisconsin Dells. And that was probably my favorite part of the trip. And it's always my favorite part. I love dragging the kids somewhere they don't, yeah, they don't like want to go. go. <laughs> but you have to admit, the kids actually did enjoy it. They did. They had a really good time. It's because so. um, on these duck tours, they had cheesy jokes, yep. and when we stopped to see the wild, the baby stops on... Ian was totally in love with it. Yes. yes. Oh, look, it's a wild little baby <laughs> stop sign. And Ian went, oh, it's so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's our child. Yes, that's our child. Well, anyway, um, if you want to email the show, you can. Um, outlandishoutcasts at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. 
I wish people could see your face when you were struggling to say these things. I couldn't remember the thing. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not the only one with forgetful syndrome. I know. Or sleepy tiredness. I, 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 I agree. Sleepy sickness. So anyway, send us an email if you have any stories you'd like us to, uh, to talk about. If you... You know, have feedback you'd like to give us on things we talked about, or maybe we got something totally wrong. Let us know. We'd like to, <laughs> I like don't to hear get it. things wrong. Okay, I'd like to hear it. She wouldn't. I'll keep it from her. I don't take worry. constructive criticism. <laughs> well. um, we will. I'll post some pictures on the face. We'll post some pictures on the Facebook page this week of some of the stories we covered. Um, and other than that, have a great week, everybody. Which they could see at Outlandish Outcast Podcast on Facebook. Yes, I was waiting for you to say that, but it took a while. I was waiting for you to give you <laughs> the tongue twister. Well, I don't ever do that one. Say it three times fast. No, thank you. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> anyway, this was lucky number uh, seven. See what happens next week for number eight. Lucky number 13. Okay, well, We're have a great week, yet. everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.